Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. Interview SCSC, Textbooks and the Meaning of Life. At this time of the recording, um, it's November 2021, the NCCA are redeveloping the primary curriculum. Uh, they're, at the moment, they're hosting consultations around the country with teachers, principals, parents and so on. And um, they have a draft plan of what the new curriculum is going to look like, which will be uh, released in 2026, replacing the 1999 curriculum. I thought it would be a good idea um, to delve further into some of t- some topics that I feel need to be discussed because as I currently see the NCCA's plan, they don't look like they're revolutionising the 99 curriculum. Um, it looks like they're kind of tinkering a bit with it and adding extra subjects and really not doing very much with it. Uh, I um, met Paula Galvin, who has been a teacher for over 40 years and she is one of the most interesting people I think I have ever met uh, when it comes to talking about the curriculum. We both share a dislike for textbooks in schools but we decided we'd have a conversation about uh, textbooks but all, but specifically about SCSE textbooks and why they really don't work. They probably never worked but they really really don't work in the 21st century. In this special episode where I interview Paula for about an hour, uh, where we talk about that, we also talk about her career, we talk about what are the issues in primary education at the moment, and what she'd like to see happening in the future, and what she thinks possibly the future of the textbook might be, if it has a future at all. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Paula, uh, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you um, if you want to comment on social media or so on. If you do like this podcast, be sure to subscribe to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unchild.net, um, and if you uh, and please leave a review if you like it too. Look, without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Thanks a million. Hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis from Anshaw.net. I am here joined by Paula Galvin, who is a teacher in Clamboris National School in Clondalkin in Dublin 22. And I'm delighted to be joined by her because we are going to talk about our mutual dislike of textbooks. And uh, But before we do any of that, uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to find out who is Paula. And uh, maybe without sounding like the first question in a job interview, maybe you'll tell us all about yourself and your career so far. Okay, and where I see myself in five years, um, hopefully (laughs) retired. Um, I have been teaching for uh, 42 years, which sounds horrendous, but it was, I suppose I've had quite diverse teaching experience in that. Um, I taught initially in an inner city school in Dublin for four years. Then I, with youth on my side, I decamped to Zimbabwe where I taught for three years and I was teaching a high school. Um, it had been formerly an old white boys high school, which was now mainly a black um, high school. So really interesting times. It was four years post-independence. Um, I taught Mugabe's nephew, which was interesting because I once asked him a little, his, his uncle, he was his uncle's ward of court. 
And his uncle was over in London at um, some summit or conference. So I said to the little chap, he was a first year. So I said, um, we didn't, we called all the kids by their, their surname. So I said, um, did your uncle, as you would, you know, with the 12 year old, did your uncle bring you back something nice from London? And he looked at me, they called you ma'am. He looked at me straight in the eye and he said, ma'am, you ask too many questions. <laughs> and I, I got really frightened because it was at the time when there was a, a intimidation of teachers and teachers disappeared from bus stops. So <laughs> I didn't ask that boy any more questions. Anyway, I'm sort of digressing. So whilst I was there, I also got very involved with the kids' junior debating. I ran a junior debating team. I also set up a, an anti-nuclear organization over there. Um, and I was involved with the prehistory society. So it was a really, you know, it was a very rich sort of experience for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the, some of the kids I taught, they were the most phenomenal learners I have ever taught, like amazing kids and absolutely just desperate for education. Mm -hmm. You know, so their parents mainly would be domestic servants and they would earn their few bob to put the kids through school. So after that, then I taught in England for 12, 13 years. Again, mm -hmm. a range of, you know, secular schools, international school, uh, private schools, public schools. So that again was interesting. And then came back to Ireland in 1999. So I've been at Clonbers since I returned. Right, wow. We're just in time for the new curriculum to emerge. That's right, because we'd experienced a new curriculum in England. I've been there for that, That's that jolly, jolly time. And then came back. And I, was, to be honest, I mean, I was slightly horrified that we were following their lead, you know? Mm. I, re I remember writing um, <laughs> a sternly worded letter, as I am prone to do, to the Irish <laughs> Times at the time. I said, how come that the island of saints and scholar, scholars was following the lead of, as Napoleon called them, a nation of shopkeepers? But I, I just thought we were taking the wrong route then. Right. I probably, I probably become, become even more convinced of that now, you know? That is really interesting. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I graduated kind of just as the, uh, as the new curriculum was kind of coming in. And I trained in the UK, so I was yes. familiar enough with the UK curriculum. All right. And I was interested, all right, in, um, I suppose, the sheer volume of curriculum books we had yes. compared to the nice little sliver of a book that the UK had. I know, yeah. 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 It was, um, it was. Yeah, I, 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 I think with the new curriculum, we went, I don't, you see, I was, of course, I'm one of those old dinosaurs. I was there for the old crit, the 1974 curriculum. We had the two orange books, you know, but I, there were some positives I would suggest in those, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you've been you've been teaching obviously for quite some time. Yes. Now. What and and half, you've seen half you, a century. Nearly half. A century. It's amazing. I mean, what what a what a rich talent you you know to have in a school. I mean, it's and still to be so enthusiastic and everything else is Thank is you. unreal. But what like what what would you say are the biggest changes you've noticed? I suppose since even even since nineteen ninety nine when you returned to Ireland. Well, 
I think the I think the teaching profession has become much less confident in themselves and their ability to actually deliver a curriculum. And mm. I think in ways, I think teachers have lost their autonomy. Okay. Because I think the curriculum is so narrow, so prescribed, um, you know, so much ticking boxes mm. that we've reduced it rather than expanded it. But wow. we've expanded it in terms of volume, but I think in terms of what the children are actually learning, I think that has been severely narrowed down. That's really interesting. And I, I'm, I'm intrigued because you, you, you just mentioned there that, you know, the autonomy is gone and, and, mm. and all I hear all the time is, a focus on autonomy you know it's up to schools autonomy to do this that and the other yes but you, you yes. think the opposite has actually happened despite... well, absolutely and i mean they can talk all about schools or that but, but there's there's no space in the curriculum for you know see for, i often look like when i started teaching so in the school i was in you might have a, a teacher with a passion for history a passion for music and the kids who went to that particular teacher came out after the year of the two years with an absolute, you know, a, an interest, a passion in whatever was that teacher's passion. Whereas now I find because we're, we're you know, we've 11 subjects, we're dipping in and out of things that everything I think is a little bit scattered gone. Mm. And I think we're constantly assailed by a new method of doing this, a new initiative. And it's just heaping things on top of teachers. And it becomes too overwhelming almost, I presume. Absolutely overwhelming. And I think we need to, like, I would be a great believer in that a curriculum has to reflect the society in, in which it's based. And that children need to learn what they need to learn for lifelong learning. So, you know, talking about 21st century skills like problem solving and critical thinking, and not completely irrelevant things learning about things that they'll never experience that they'll never need to experience and that quite frankly have no there's a lot of things i would really question in the curriculum yeah what, what, the, what, what would be the main ones i i think for instance in a lot of our scse i think we reinforce stereotypes you know the way say european countries are taught it's in terms of stereotypes the way, Af and this is another, an absolute bugbear of mine, that Africa, Africa's towards this amorphous place where it's all the same, you know, yes. and I did a bit of research for my masters around it. So, you know, three words to describe Africa are the people, they're poor, or the, the, the place, it's dusty, it's hot, and the people are poor, you know? Yeah. And, like all their texts are very Eurocentric and they don't, they don't embrace diverse. You know, we talk all the time about, you know, intercultural education and so on, but so much is tokenistic mm, and has no real value at all. And another thing about the, the, the I suppose we'll get on to talk about textbooks later, um, Simon, but the textbooks assume the kids know nothing about anything. Yeah. And it's as if they're afraid to give them a challenging question mm. or a question that might upset their prejudices. Yes. So they're, 
they're sort of pussyfooting around around issues instead of saying this is the reality. You yeah. know, there are poor people in the world, there are rich people in the world, and mm. this is this is what's going on. Instead of, you know, there was a particular um it was in that awful oh was it history geography question, one of those. Um but it was talking about homelessness. Now, I suppose, in fairness, they were trying to address a real issue. So there's a picture of a fella, you know, when he's sitting with his cup out. And, of course, it's not a photograph because, God forbid, you show reality. It's, you know, you know the way they do all these cartoons, stupid pictures? Yes. So underneath it, um, it says, you know, this man is homeless. Kind people give him money. Right. So, of course, I went into an absolute, well, me being the type I am, I went into an absolute rant about the banks and their complicity in making people homeless. You know, mm. but just, I mean, children can deal with those realities. Absolutely. And even the fact that the, um, that the, 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 even the stereotype that the homeless person in the, in the chapter was a man. And yes. I'm sure the cartoon yes. had a beard yeah. and was wearing tatty. Yeah. You know, yeah. this kind but of the, stuff. There's, there's nothing in the textbooks of the, I suppose I'm, I'd be of the Freire, you know, Paulo Freire's school of thought that education actually is about transformation mm, and emancipation. So education is not a means of keeping the status quo. It's a means of, you know, looking at systems and challenging systems and looking at inequality. And I suppose at the, at the risk of sounding like a, a raving socialist, but, you know, yeah. that has always been my belief about education. And I went into education and that I would have seen that as my role is Absolutely. to encourage kids to question things and also to, to question me as a teacher. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 we're not the, uh, I suppose, uh, isn't it Ferreira about his banking uh, type of education? We're not. That's just the wrong yes. way of going about things. Yes. Uh, gosh, we're getting academic here. <laughs> we shouldn't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we better we better talk about what we're going to what we plan to yes. talk about, and that's textbooks. And um, yeah. both you and I have been involved uh, in some ways around textbooks. But before before we talk specifically of our experience, I mean, uh, what have you noticed? I suppose again, you know, if you've been teaching quite for quite some time, I've been teaching twenty years. You've been teaching uh, about forty odd years. Yes. What the evolution of textbooks? I mean, even from maybe even when we were in school ourselves. It, it, the textbooks today are very different from the textbooks 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But yes. what have you noticed the main differences are? Um, well, when I started teaching in 1980, we actually didn't use textbooks at all for history, geography, or science. Wow. We, we actually, when I look back, this is shameful. Um, our science then, and I was teaching in East Wall, inner mm. city, and I our science should be talking about the hedgehogs. You know, <laughs> we do the sort of life cycle of the hedgehogs and so on, yeah. crazy stuff. But um, so there was that complete remove from the children's or I mean, we were, we were there in Darklands, so why not do the science of the history, the history of the Darklands, mm. the geography of the Darklands, you know, the science of the Darklands. But um, I find with the textbooks now, there's this attempt to present everything in a slightly unreal way. So science is presented as a series of 
very fun experiments where, you know, something has to fizz or something has to happen instead of the way the world works is through a series of, you know, physics and chemistry and biology, mm. you know, and the same in teaching the way history is taught or through the textbooks again is everything is it's presented as if these events happened not as part of a continuum but these events happened almost out of thin air or you had remarkable people like nelson mandela almost like a deus ex machina they were you know they pitched down to earth and suddenly see something and they speak up about it instead yeah. of seeing the whole of history as a continuum, you know, of technological advance, of scientific advance, of, you know, humanitarian advancement. But it's, I think the way we teach it to children is as a series of completely unconnected events and a mm -hmm. series of remarkable, exceptional people who, as I say, just appear, you know, every 50 years we have someone. That's it. And, and they, they aren't a kind of part of a process of... Not at all. And that, that, that whole idea, uh, I suppose I would see history as a striving towards some sort of change of society, you know, whether it be for the better or the worse in terms of, you know, like say Hitler's Germany or, um, yeah. you know, the First World War or then, you know, scientific advances, but they're presented as very piecemeal almost events. Yeah, yeah. And completely decontextualized, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 quite interesting. I I, 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 yeah. I, I suppose I hadn't quite thought of that, but I mean, you're, mm. you're right. You, you just, um, you know, if you are learning about the Second World War, you, you know, this bloke called just Hitler that, came along. Yeah, that happened, yeah. Yeah, but what caused... What caused that? Yes, uh, and that that that, 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 that everything is cause and effect, mm. and that every you know in in history, geography, science, everything is cause and effect. So there's nothing happening. Something happens. Something yeah. happens. You know. And then we go back to normal or whatever. Yes. The, 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 the dullness. So I mean, I mean, one of the things I remember when I was writing textbooks, um, and um, for a particular company that we didn't end up working with, in the, uh, was the first thing um, or one of the things they said to us in the middle of um, writing the books was, you know, stop what you're doing. You're writing for the C grade teacher. And I remember at the time going, no, no, I, I actually want to. I don't want to write that. I'm not in. I mean, I'm not particularly in this. Yes, I want to get paid. Yes. But I want to write. I'm the reason I'm doing this is because I was really disappointed with everything that's been been, been before. And I want to create something that's good. Yes. And. I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, do, do you think textbooks are written specifically with that in mind? That's that's actually quite shocking, isn't it, to hear that? That yeah. that would be their modus operandi. Um, and I think, well, I think of maybe there, the impression I got, I was, I was asked to edit a series of lessons mm. in, in a particular book. And the impression I got, Simon, was that they had outsourced the lessons. Mm. And then I edited them and, you know, I made lots of suggestions and so on. But they were still 
they were very, very poor lessons. But to me, it was as if they'd been written by a person who wasn't an educator, wasn't a teacher. Yeah. And didn't quite know what they want the kids to know at the end of the lesson. Okay. So they seem to think that, okay, if you're doing a science lesson, you give kids a lot of vocabulary. So say, for instance, you're doing something around, you know, you give them the words evaporation, condensation. And mm-hmm. if they have big words, that's yeah. important. You know, but yeah. there's... There seems to be very little in terms of the text that what the purpose of the lesson is. Yeah, yeah. I I have to say I found as well that there was this mad um, thing to go to to to, make, to to integrate everything to literacy. Yes. Um, and I see that as continuing. I remember even when I was in school. I mean, it was like here's a piece of text. There's the questions at the end. Yeah. And even though there's evenings are more colorful or or mm. potentially you know, presented differently. It feels like textbooks haven't really moved away from... I know, and there'd still be, they're all comprehension. Mm. That's all there. And while they might, you know, ask the kid to design a science experiment to prove such and such thing, but they haven't given them enough information to allow them to do that. Yeah. Well, they might, you know, they put in an element of design and make in the science text, but it's not actually design and make at all, I would argue. You know, because it's it's not taking the kids through the process of design and make of you know planning it out and maybe making yeah. a model of it and testing and investigating. And yeah. I I find the science ones particularly bad. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of like an experiment that really drives me mad. And this again might just be a book bear point because. I, I love teaching science, although I, I didn't, I wouldn't have done science um, in school myself, but I, I just love teaching it. Yes. Um, and I always take the kids through the process of, you know, giving them actual scientific names for what's happening and giving them proper words. Um, and then getting them, as time goes on, they can then devise the experiment. But yes. our experiments, are always based somehow in the real world. So for mm. instance, um, we've been doing science class the last few years. So our question two years ago was, can we make clean water from dirty water? So a really practical sort of experiment. Mm. Um, and a lot of what I call science is actually, it's it's kitchen science. It's because as I say, whatever's going on in your kitchen, it's either, it's usually chemistry. You yeah. know, all those, those mix, and you make something and something happens. But then in the science books, you'll get like a thing they're really fond of. You know, you make your little volcano, you throw your bicarbonate soda and your vinegar, and psh, it fizzles yeah. out. But if you want to explain to children how lava works, you actually get the making honeycomb. Ah, okay. And then honeycomb solidifies and it hardens. And yes. once you get them doing that, then you know you can get them talking about the elements in the sugar, you know, the carb, the carbohydrate. Mm. And then, you know, moving on from that, well, if elements combine like that, how did the world begin? Yes. I know this now is a huge thing, but you get them thinking about these sort of things by giving them, as I say, the real life science. Not exactly. that, you know, can we make slime 
Mr. Exactly. No, <laughs> That's the latest. I say, it's, I say yeah. it's stupid science. And I do, yeah, I say yeah. That, the stuff that I makes say that to the kids that. That's not science. That's exactly. That's a, that's magic or fizz bang yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, really but, annoying. but there is the, if I see when I started with this class, I said, what science? But, oh, explosions. Mm. You know, but there's... There's so much, there's so much more to it, but it's, and, yeah. and it isn't all necessarily magic. One of the, uh, I mean, I'm just really interested and fascinated to hear, like, Oh, they, what you just brought us through there for the last uh, for the last uh, little while there was were were, were experiments essentially. And w- what I, I'm always what, what I always hear anyway from from teachers is ah, it's very very hard to do science experiments because it's so expensive to get the equipment. It's very hard. But everything you said there are just yeah. you know things that are really easy and yes. generally I mean, free. The the only thing that that anyway expensive in you know the science company is your little light bulbs and your mm. batteries. I mean, that's the only thing. Yeah. But other, other than that, everything is stuff you have at home. It's in your kitchen cupboard. This is it. I mean, the other excuse I hear is that it's too messy. And that always annoys me. Well, it I'm, is messy, but that's the beauty of it. Is it? <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I always find, I always, well, I don't laugh at all. I get, I get, yeah. I get, internally, I get very cross, but I'm not, yes. uh, yes. when, when I hear it, but it's it's definitely something, something yeah. one hears. Like, I would counter that with saying, well, the world is messy. It's a messy place, you know? Yeah. So obviously, yeah. it's going to be messy. Absolutely. I, I mean, I thought we've touched on this, but I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that textbooks probably harm uh, the teaching of SESE. It, yes, I would agree completely. Yeah. Maybe, what, what, why would you, what would your thoughts on that be? Oh, I, I think they do, but I, I think teachers have become very reliant on them, Simon. Mm. And, you know, the conversations around the staff are prior to COVID, you know, where you, you sort of thrash on things. And I'd say, oh, I hate this book. I hate, I hate that series. And people would all agree, but they say, oh, but you have to have something. Yeah. Which I, I would argue that you actually don't. I mean, there's so much stuff, you know, the stuff up on YouTube, National Geographic, um, mm. a site I absolutely love, it's wonderful, is Ted Ed. Oh yeah, Ted Ed Earth. I mean that. It. I was looking at one recently. It's about cotton, but they go through the history of cotton, the geography of cotton. They take the um, bring in the whole sustainability factors. You know, so fair trade cotton. But everything they do, they do it on a number of different levels. So there's the, you know, where there's maybe the basic video they might watch. Then there's the think a little bit more, dig deeper, and it almost becomes, you can have almost a philosophical discussion on the topic mm. you're covering. So it's vast, it's really broad, and it gives, I just think it's, it's wonderful. I use it all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's one transfer, transformative uh, thing that's happened again in our classrooms over the last two decades is, is technology yeah. kind of being able. And for me, it, what surprises me more than anything else is we've had technology for two decades, Yet, it doesn't seem to have changed the way we we teach any. I mean, most subjects, but particularly SESE. I mean, yes. All of a sudden, we now have access to the whole world. Absolutely, yeah. And yet, we're we're still, we're we're still, still in the textbook. But you see, I I think that's because we're enthralled to the publishers, and mm. instead of you know schools 
get together and say, actually, we don't want these. Like, mm. There seems to be, you know, the kids in my class, their book orders this year would have been 110 euro. Like, I would love to say, okay, the kids that I'm teaching this year, I don't want to get any of these textbooks. Mm. And I, I say to the kids, I say, these are trained monkey books. You know, mm. a trained monkey could fill them in. Mm. Yeah. Well, if the trained monkey had been taught to read. But um, you know what I mean? But yeah. they're dreadful. They're dreadful books. And even, you know, in terms of the whole, the climate change, the global warming issues, they miss the boat on them completely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's, and the funny thing is, we weren't just talking about this, you know, in the last two or three years. This has been a discussion. Been, I've been talking about it for 20 years, Simon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And is it, is it just that, like, what, what is it about? What is it about people who write these textbooks? So, I mean, they, they're also teachers. What, why can't they write? I don't, I don't, I think it's fear, Simon. Okay, fear of what? I think fear of challenging kids. There seems to be this idea out there that in a textbook, a child has to get all those answers right. Mm. and okay while we would I always say to the kids in my class you learn more by getting an answer wrong than right mm. if you're giving you know, all the right it might just mean you're good at finding information on the page because that's yeah. all it's about Find see that word in the question the way they, the way they attend Irish they find the word and then they copy the sentence that has that word in it yeah. um, so I think teachers are afraid of getting kids to make that leap. Yeah. So the textbooks are written probably to the, maybe the average child in your class. Maybe okay. the, the child who's, who's weaker than that. So it's, it's a matter of tick, 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 get your child understands the ice chips. Yeah. You know, they know all about the ice chips. Yeah, but they, but they have no they way of. They don't know anything. Well, they know they were a crew who wore big, you know, gold, bits on their head and they run around naked and, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe drank some, drank some hot chocolate. You know, so it's, that's what I was saying, Simon, it's all these unrelated, unrelated, decontextualized ideas uh, about everything. And is it just this, um, maybe I, I'm just thinking, is there this sort of pressure to, you know, make lessons so fun that they make um, no sense? leaps away from what you're actually yes, covering. Yeah. I mean the, that's part of it. But, but also Simon, I would suggest you see, I suppose as teachers were, you know, the, the old adage that were um Jack of all trades, master of none. So mm. teachers might have, you know certain interests, but we can't be good at all things. So Maybe some of it's to do with the teacher's own lack of knowledge and their lack of confidence in what they're doing. Yeah. So instead of, you know, saying you're the professionals, you mm. decide actually what you like. Not every child in Ireland has to learn in fourth class with the Aztecs. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that you makes. Know, so, so maybe bring your history down to your local history of the place. Yeah. You know, maybe do as civilization and then we we also the books are very eurocentric so we miss out on 
I mean, we ignore the fact that there were civilizations in Africa before, before whites came and took Africans as slaves, mm. you know? And we, there's so much of history is unspoke. We don't tell the kids about things. So Christopher Columbus is presented as this jolly little sailor who went off and, you know, bumped into a few people and then, you know, sort of settled for a while. But there's, you know, it's as if there were all these jolly, jolly nice people. Yeah, exactly. They're far coming. When I'm teaching Christopher Glums, I will say, well, he was was going to the East because he was going to probably steal silk from the Chinese people. And he was going to steal. And I do, and I I suppose I make no bones about it, I will always call a spade a spade. So, you know, I'm not teaching Christopher Columbus this jolly fellow who liked sailing on the seas. That's it. You know, and sort of discovered uh, this great you know, big America. Yeah, exactly so, that. You know? Yeah, the people probably knew about for a long time before. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's funny. Um, one other um, excuse I'm going to say that I hear uh, from from uh, some people about textbooks is we were I teach in a multi-grade class. I can't possibly, um, you know, teach, teach uh, um, everything. I need the textbooks to keep people, uh, to keep the children. You know, when I'm working with one class, I'm teaching. Yes, class. So, so they're basically busy books. Yes. 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 A textbook shouldn't be a busy book, but that's they are. They're busy books. Mm. So because of that, I suppose they, I mean, the nature of a busy book is it's, it's a tick, it's a tick list. You yeah, know? to say I've covered this. So covered this. I guess the obvious question, even though we both know the answer to this, is mm. what's the alternative to textbooks? I mean, we have six, I think it's six, the last count that I've checked, major textbook companies I in know, Ireland. I know, for, and, crazy. Which and is amazing for 3,000 students. As I said, there are none of them really are worth the paper they're written on. Mm, there's, yeah. there's, there's not one I could actually say, actually, that lesson in there is brilliant. I mean, there's there's a new one out, and in fairness to them, they have put in certain elements about sustainability and fast fashion and deforestation. But as I say, we're coming to it way too late. Yeah, and yeah. The, the books within, I mean, probably the year they're published, they're already irrelevant. Yes. You know? And that's that's kind of interesting because, you know, textbooks are sold with a, I mean, I think the, they, 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 they try and sell them with a lifespan of, you know, six to eight years. Yes. So maybe when they come out first, they're already a few years yeah. old because that's yeah, how long it absolutely. takes to write yeah. uh, a textbook. And then certainly eight years later, they're absolutely yeah. out, of, out of so i mean what what do you, i mean if it's i mean we can't obviously you know get rid of textbooks overnight but if a textbook company uh needed to evolve and like what 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 would your advice to these companies be because they they obviously have to make a living we can't yeah. uh, I mean, we can disband them all and but if if, the, if if we were to live in a post textbook society what would it look like oh goodness that's an interesting one. I, I think it's more that this whole thing of textbooks has become a sort of a vicious cycle and that the teachers, because maybe of the changes in the curriculum field, they, you know, they can't know all the stuff mm-hmm. that's in the textbooks. 
So the textbook, I suppose, maybe it's a way of clarifying things for the teachers. But I think they've way too much of the wrong information in them. Okay. I mean, if anything, I would suggest that the textbooks have much less in them. Okay. And also have, as a, like, use real photographs. Don't, I, I'm often appalled at, you know, the way, say, animals are presented in textbooks. So mm. they're presented as these adorable, huge creatures. <laughs> you know, like polar bears, they love sliding on the, well, you know, they don't, they don't love sliding, they've adapted, like, that's what they do. Yes. But, they're presented as if, because of when I showed kids a picture of, of an, a young animal, they say, oh, they're so, they're so cute. Yeah. They're so cute. And I'd say, well, they're not, I'd say they're animals, like they're young animals, you know. But this idea that, you know, in some textbooks, that everything has to be presented as fun or as cartoonish or as opposed to, like, these are animals living in the wild. This is their yeah. habitat. This mm. is how they survive. Yeah. You know, so there's, I'd, my main problem with them, Sam, would be there's a real disconnect between the textbook, the reality of the world, and the reality of our children's lived experience. Yeah. I mean, so, that's, that, that is interesting that we have, like, I mean, even from the biology point of view like uh, of how we present animals i mean you nearly i mean even me growing up you know you kind of think if i met a badger that would be very cute but he'd probably bite my neck off you know <laughs> that would be terrible the, the other problem though i suppose and then I, in the history then as well as i it, that textbooks i, I find you know would i would you accuse them of bias um oh completely completely yes and um like I mentioned already, the very Eurocentric bias, but they completely ignore the fact, as I said earlier, of inequality in the world. Mm. I mean, that's an absolute reality. But, yeah. you know, world wars or various events in history are not presented as, you know, the French Revolution. Yeah. It's not presented, okay, while they bandy about, you know, the terms of equality, fraternity, um, liberty. They don't, they don't get the kids to conceptualize history as a continual striving for betterment. Mm. Yes. In, in whatever form that takes, whether it's, you know, world domination, whether it's eradication of disease, whether it's women's equality, but mm -hmm. it's not seen as that. Okay. Okay. So, as I say, everything is presented as disconnected. Yeah. So we, we kind of don't see the before or the after. We just see Yeah, and we don't see the bigger the... picture. You know, so what this was, you know, even in terms of, I suppose, um, like our 1916 rise, when we had the 100 years, um, mm -hmm. five years ago, when we're teaching that again, it was that's an isolation that happened in Ireland, and and we also see it as something that was popular, um, you know, yes. these days, which it wasn't, yes. which wasn't at all, no, no, because my my grandmother would have been, um, you know, she was a newly married woman at the time, and she said they described them as couriers, mm -hmm. you know, they they thought those in the GPO were thugs, yeah, and it was, 
was a very small amount of people were actually, actually involved and actually um, were positive towards it, you know? Yeah, I mean, we missed that out. I mean, yeah. you know... But, we, but we, even in terms of, like, told about the 1960 rising, like, at the same time as our bid for nationalism, for freedom was going on, you had the same thing happening in Bosnia-Herzegovina, you know, and the, the killing of Franz... Um, Ferdinand, yeah. Ferdinand, that was part of that whole, so that there was an international national. There's an international, yes. Yeah, yeah, dimension to kind of everything. Yeah. I, Ireland didn't decide to become independent, you know, out of yes. nothing, you know. Yeah. That, 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 I, mean, or, I think the, the way we teach geography is, it's again, I, you know, we do Irish geography. So for Irish mm. geography, you know, name the Pimpsix counties and, you know, name the the counties of Leinster, Munster, instead of doing a much more world geography and yeah. maybe starting at the beginning and obviously not going into to such detail, but, you know, the world, how the world actually evolved, mm. you know, to explain the formation of mountains, rivers, lakes and so on. Yeah. As yeah. I said, yeah. without getting into huge scientific book, we pitch things wrongly and then you know, so children might learn a little bit about mountains in junior infants, and then in sixth class they might know, you know, to name what's the highest mountain in the world, what's the deepest lake, and so on. But again, mm -hmm. it becomes then geography becomes a sort of a numbers game. You know, the highest mountain in the world, the biggest, yeah. you know, so great for table quizzes, but not absolutely, yes. yeah, 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 exactly. <gasps> I, I mean, I guess we're coming come to some solutions about uh, about this because we've we've talked a lot about the problems of textbooks, and I think you know particularly I I, I mean I must say um, again with with I suppose I, and I, I, this is only my own thoughts the privatization of teaching colleges and things like that 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 uh, uh, that a lot of teachers are coming out with less I suppose less in their qualification than they may have done in the past, and in, in a way they 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 don't. They're, they're sort of almost relying on um they're relying on textbooks and yes. they don't even know where to begin uh, because the, because all the way through they've been relying like when they went to school they did textbooks yes and yeah so on. And, and there isn't enough time in let's say an online course or an online uh, or even you know in the three or four years yeah. that you're doing things to really kind of what to go into real detail or a lot of detail about how to teach something i mean I suppose if I was a if 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 you were talking to somebody coming out of college with, who who may um who wants to start and really said ah, do you know what? I don't want to use textbooks mm. um what 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 where would where would they begin? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I would always say start with the kids' knowledge. Mm. So whatever you're doing, like for instance, suppose. Say I'm teaching a unit in history. So I often say to the kids, a lot of things that happened in history would have happened by accident. Mm. You know, for instance, like how to create a fire, that would have happened by accident. Sure. Maybe cooking, you know, all of these things would have happened by accident. Yes. Um, and I suppose maybe find creative ways to look at things, you know, so. I might, I would use a lot of art and poetry to look at, you know, things happening in the natural world and also to explore maybe issues in history. Yes. 
But as you say, I think teachers are coming out and they're, I think they almost feel, and I've, I, I lectured in, in DCU for a time, and teachers were making the point that when they went into first year of teacher training college or IT mm -hmm. as they call it now, they felt much more motivated in what they would be teaching than when they came out. So they actually mm -hmm. felt that the process in, in the teacher training was in a sense de-skilling them. Okay, wow. And, and maybe what I was saying about maybe teachers losing that sense of professionalism. I mean, I think we need a serious reading assignment about what primary schools are about. Mm. What skills does a child in Ireland need for the 21st century? I mean, we, we talk about 21st century competencies and intercultural competencies and digital competencies. Yes. We're not having the conversations and we're constantly assailed by, okay, so we've green schools, we've active schools, we've, um, you know, student downs. We're being assailed by all these initiatives, incredible edibles, you know, this, the mm. one. and a lot is, you know, they're government funded, so you need to bring this into the school, you need to bring this. And then we also have the private sector coming in. Mm. You know, with, I think it was one of the insurance companies, it was a Cormac had a thing about, you know, kids keeping diaries of, the, of their activities, their physical activities. Oh, yeah. But we're being constantly bombarded. Like sometimes if you, you just leave me alone to teach in my classroom. Yes. The yeah. way that I want to teach. Yes. And give, give children your experience yeah and, that and would be give, different from your neighbor's experience and, but, and but also okay. give give kids a chance to because the curriculum is so overloaded the kids don't actually get a, a chance to think also to join the dots themselves mm -hmm. i see kids in my class all the time for me as your teacher all i'm doing is getting you to join up dots yeah is to make connections so if I teach you something about, you know, say, for instance, we were doing religion. So we looked at an old map of where Jesus had been born, mm -hmm. you know, and we're looking, then we're looking at a modern map. So the River Jordan that was there in his day, is that still there? Is yeah. that is such and such a place there? So, you know, relating things to, like, things in history to today. So I'm saying, so while we're doing that in religion, that's also geography and it's also history. Yeah. You know, instead of everything being a discrete, standalone yeah. subject. And, and it's funny because that was the intention of this, I suppose, new, yes. new 20, 20 odd year old yeah. curriculum where, you know, subjects were supposed to integrate. Um, but, but I think it's, it's actually, curiously enough, I think it's actually divided the subjects more. Mm. And maybe, maybe it was just because that awful one page uh, in, in those curriculum books where it basically said you must teach this amount of yes. this, this amount of this, yeah. this amount of this. Yeah. And if you didn't, you, you'd be, I don't know what would I happen know. to you. Guillotined. Uh, <laughs> you'd be guillotined. <laughs> French Revolution, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, back, just going back uh, a little, very briefly again, because I, I meant to ask you this when we were talking about technology. Um, we talked about the good and the bad. And I, I, I found, um, you know, you touched on YouTube being a really good resource or being the TED Ed being a really good resource. 
I found um, technology, and I'd be big into technology mm-hmm. myself, um, I can actually have the opposite of a good effect, like a really bad effect. This, um, there seems to be this huge um, problem of, and I'm not blaming Pinterest completely, mm-hmm. but Pinterest is, is the best example I can find where finding the most colorful, glossy, oh, almost, I know. Pre- almost preschooly yes. arts and crafts rather yes. than the primary yeah. school curriculum. And I mean, the, okay, so that's the bad end of technology. I mean, have you found, I mean, a, a really good place, a good technology resource? I, I, I think mystery science, for example, is an example of a good um, resource because it gives a lot of information, but gives um, the teacher you know, like empowerment to, um, you know, teach a lesson quite well without it being, you know, magic and, yes, yes. you know, have you, have you come across any, any gems? It, to be honest, and I, I <laughs> give my age, I'm a bit of a Luddite when it comes to technology, but as a, I mean, I would always say Ted, Ed, during mm-hmm. lockdown, that is what I use as the base of my lessons all the time. Yeah. But in terms of um, other brilliant sites, I um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be great on that now. Yeah. I don't think there's too many of them. I mean, I, I, I only thought that as a, so. a, as a thing but because I think a lot of the problems with technology is they they shoehorn a bit and they and they again similarly to textbooks they they stop the yeah. expansion really of what, what yeah, you're looking absolutely. at. Yeah, absolutely. There um, is one. There is one brilliant. Is it called Breathing Earth? It's a simulated. Um, have you seen it, Simon? No, I don't think so. It's a simulated earth and it shows the um the births and deaths in real time all over the world oh. it's amazing wow and it also shows the carbon emissions okay okay so you could just have this up on, on your screen and you could say to kids okay so we're going to you know count for 30 seconds each group so you're looking at ireland you're looking at india you're looking at china you're looking at zimbabwe yeah. how many births deaths and so on but it's it's just a wonderful um, you know to do your history, geography, science, anything can be done on it, and it would be a very you know it's a quick lesson. Yeah, and 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 I think that's in some ways technology is a great way of. Um, I always I always try and like I look at YouTube for example. It's a good almost like I don't remember Bosco uh, where he went through the magic door and. Ah uh, yes, yes. Well, you didn't actually get anywhere. You could get a window. Yes. On some place, so I mean, I can't bring the kids in Carlo down to the Burren in County Clare. I know. Can give them a, I can give them, you know, the almost the next best thing where you can actually say, look, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And what do you notice about there compared yeah. to? I mean, to Google here? Earth is wonderful for that sort of thing. That's, that's, like, true that's as well. really good. And National Geographic, I find wonderful as a site, and yeah. it's it's very transparent. And also another NASA for kids is wonderful. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it's it's not just for space. I mean, they do the whole that they do. There's an awful lot on sustainability and um, really, really good. Mm. Um, you mentioned twin tr- Pinterest. Um, another thing that I'm a real old fogey, cranky old fogey now. Another thing that really gets my goat is the twinkle classroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah. I mean, every classroom is a twinkle classroom. I know, I know. Well, it's... I mean, mine isn't for obvious reasons, but um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I just think, can no one, t- can you not 
research it yourself. Can you not, you know, make resource yourself? So every, you know, for Halloween, everywhere looks the same. Yeah, you could walk into any classroom and it looks Seriously. exactly the same as the classroom next door. You're right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Yeah, between and again, people and the everything is presented in these, you know, fun, jolly ways. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very funny. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think we are actually. Gosh, I can't believe the time. It's gone. Goodness. It's gone so quickly. I could. And I, I probably didn't answer any of the questions you wanted. Oh, not at all. It's Simon. been delightful speaking to you at all, and I'm just really enjoying the conversation. But I always end our, our end my little uh, chats uh, with uh, with because the podcast is called "If I Were the Minister for Education." Oh, yes. So I always um, usually it's me who's behind the mic saying what I'd do if I was the Minister for Education. But uh, it's 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 if you were handed the reins for a day and you had a, a dictatorship um, all out of the blue, there wasn't a big kind of reason or a cause and effect for you to become the minister for education. As uh, but you just got magicked into the into the position. What's the first thing that you would do? Uh, ditch the pearls. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do, do you mean as regards everything or just SESE sign? Well, I mean, we've been talking a lot about SESE. So we, I mean, what, I'll, what I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, two things you can do. One based on SESE and one based on just generally in education. Generally, um, I would, I would go back, I'd completely go back to basics and have a conversation about what does the 21st century child need to know? to mm-hmm. live in this 21st century world. Yeah. So, um, you know, stuff that we've been banging on about for years, just cut, cut it, if it's not working, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, it. like when I hear teachers say, oh, they're in six class, they still don't know what, what you know, to put in a capital letter at the beginning of a sentence. And it, I think, well, maybe we're teaching it wrong. Maybe it's irrelevant. So I think, we as professionals really have to look at what we're doing and why we're doing it and question it. Yeah. And bring, bring it right back to, you know, what are they doing in teacher training? I mean, I know in teacher training, it's, you know, there's, there's elements around global citizenship education and so on. But I mean, when I was lecturing in global citizenship education, I had students come to me and say, why are we learning about this? you know oh my gosh that's, that was only maybe four years ago that's amazing yeah like crazy crazy but also i think we have to like really diversify the teaching populations i mean yeah. the primary, primary school teachers are in the main you know white middle class female mm-hmm so we really need to like seriously shake it up. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something I go on about a lot. Uh, yeah. I, I, because uh, I mean, while I'm while I am white and probably middle class, uh, I'm not female, but I'm also not from a Christian background. I find yes. it a very lonely place uh, to be yes. often uh, because there isn't really that many other people around. Uh, I know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I I also say that. You know, the, I would do a, a lot around, my master's was actually in human rights and citizenship education, and, and my um, thesis was around children's ideas around social justice, you know, mm. global justice. 
Yeah. And it was a lot was around, you know, challenging stereotypes and all of that. And like there was a large part that was actually looking at at the textbooks we use and our perceptions, you know, around Africa and so on. Yes. And poverty and all the, those sort of issues. But um sorry, I lost my train of thought completely. That's no, but I mean I I I when you're talking about that, because the first thing that came to me, I remember a textbook I wasn't involved in. And um, the first page I remember looking, it was a junior infant textbook. And uh, I mean, we, we, I, I just, I, I need to say this to somebody somewhere, yes. so I'm going to say it to you, as the first, it was, there were two pictures. Mm. Um, and the first one was of, the, of a man and he, was a, and he was a builder and it was like jobs my parents have or whatever. Maybe yes. my, my daddy is a builder. He is from, and yes. I, you know, I, the correct answer you can probably guess what it was and it, like it's just shocking and then the second I knew, one was I knew. my daddy's a doctor blah 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 whereas he yes. and again you're just like oh my gosh I know terrible, terrible. so I mean I assume that's the kind of thing you were yes. you know, challenging at the time and even you know our Irish books so they might have a child in a wheelchair so what mm-hmm. did you do we tips that box yeah, like, and, it, yeah the, and it is a tip the, box the cynicism also in the book Simon is, is yeah. shocking you know yeah, yeah, um, and it's amazing when you actually look at it. In some ways, it's it's, it's um, so subtle that you you barely yes you know yeah. you don't notice it until and, and you actually go looking for it. That, that's that's another thing about the textbooks. There's no nuance. Like they're absolutely yeah rigid yeah. in their you know yeah and yeah and they they, they do and these say people that, are yeah. good and these people are bad and there's there's no middle ground or there's no you know, even in the way we present poverty in textbooks, it's mm. like these people are, and the, the, there's a sort of an underlying, you know, you're you're poor because you're you're probably lazy. You know, mm. you didn't work hard enough in school. No, there's a, it is a so definite. It, yeah, it, it's your fault. You know, or if, yeah. if if you're homeless, well, that's certainly your fault because you're probably a drug addict or a, a drunk. You know. Well, you certainly look a certain way, or you certainly, yes, are, yeah, yeah. And, and so on. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's, it's it, it, terrible and terrible, fascinating and terrible. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and, and you, oh, oh no, I knew what when I sort of lost my train of thought there. Yes. Um, you know, I was saying that the way I teach would be very different to the way other teachers in in my well, not a lot of teachers teach. Um, and. I've always described it as here I am. I'm plowing my own lonely furrow here. Like I'm still at the ripe old age. Of, I'm still, I'm still plowing that lonely furrow. And I would yeah. suggest that over the years it, that furrow has become a lonelier place. Like yeah. I, I would see myself as quite, you know, for want of a better word, quite radical in in terms of, of what I want to, kids to learn and to mm. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that element has gone out of teaching. Yeah, it's safe, too safe. It's very uh, it's very safe. And and there's there's probably lots of reasons which we could probably talk about for another yes. On another so, podcast, but, yes. but we, we 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 better wrap it up because yes. I, I gosh I, I I'm so glad I, I I'm so glad you got in contact with me because you're oh, I, I wish I wish I I wish you were working with me in my school your school is so and, and that that's another thing Simon when you put out that on tweet isn't it well I think it's interesting that no one else mentioned the curriculum yeah it, it's true like, it, yeah I it think that's true. worrying. 
I think there's so much to so so much more now that teachings become maybe that mm-hmm. we become so rap we've become almost teaching has been diluted by um, dealing with things that are nothing to do with teaching. Yeah, yeah, um, and and that, I mean, so it's added to people's. I suppose we only have a certain amount of time, and yeah, if a lot of it's been is dealing with, in a way, protecting ourselves. Yeah, boxes I suppose, and yes, ensuring that yeah. we, we say the right yeah. thing and we I, I think the actual the the core of what we as teachers should be about, I think, as you say, is becoming dilute because we're being pulled this way and that way. And you know, there's another initiative, and would you like to try this? And there's an, another way of, of teaching language, there's another way of you know teaching. Yeah. And that, even the extra responsibilities that are nothing to do with the curriculum, such as, you know, if there's a behaviour in a classroom, you know, yeah. there's when, when yeah. I presume when I started and my career, you dealt with the behaviour and that was it. Whereas now we have to record everything and I know, yes. bring yes. everyone involved yeah. and so on and so forth. So all that takes yeah. a lot of time. I know. But um, where, where, where could people, I mean, you know, is, there, is, there, is there a place where people can find out more about you or if people wanted to continue the conversation with you even online or anything like that, where um, can people find you? Well, I'm I'm on Twitter. Um, what's, what's your Twitter handle? My, my ridiculous name. Listen to this pronouncement. Um, Scorpio Nova Six. Wow. Why? Because when I was compared to no, you need something really unusual. Like you can't your own name. <laughs> there's a star up there is named after me. You know something ridiculous. Um, I would. I also do as part of my whole David sort of shtick. I um, I'm the chairperson for Clondoken Fair Trade Town. Mm. So we're also on Twitter at that, and we have Clondoken Fair Trade Town is at page. Um, I think I began a blog called Global Citizenship Education, and I I think I did it twice. So I do, I'm I'm bad in sort of um, putting myself out there. Yeah. Well, you've certainly put yourself out there with, with, with this conversation and it's been absolutely a Great. huge pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Paula. Simon. That's very kind of you. And I've, I've loved talking to you. But, you know, I'd be if you wanted another conversation or, you know, another forum or... I would love that. I would absolutely love that. And and, and thank you so much. But I, I, I'm going to uh, wrap up the, the episode by saying a huge thank you to Paula Galvin for... Uh, this chat. I, I hope uh, you've all learned something. I certainly have, um, but I've also just had one of the most Im- most lovely conversations I've had, a, pro- a lovely professional conversation I've had in a very long time, and I really am grateful for to you for that. Thank you again, Paula. So there we have it. SCSE, textbooks and the meaning of life, all conjured up in an hour with Paula. I have to say it was one of the most interesting and enjoyable professional conversations never mind professional conversations just conversation in general uh, that I've had in such a long time and I hope you enjoyed it too um, if you'd like to be interviewed by uh, me uh, on a subject that you're uh, interested in I'd love to chat to you just email me simon at onshaw.net uh, and let me know what you'd like to talk about and if it's something I'd like to talk about then sure why not we'll give it a go as you can hear from the last few interviews uh, that I've had we try and keep things gentle we try and keep things non-academic we try 
try and uh, and try and keep things going as much as possible. Listen, I will leave it there. Um, we'll be back to normal service uh, soon uh, with a, a normal episode of the podcast. If you do like this episode, as I said, please consider subscribing on whatever platform you like using. And uh, without further ado, we will leave it there. Thanks so much for listening. All the best. Bye bye.